Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations, where we explore the hidden disability sunflower and its role in supporting people with hidden disabilities. Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations with me, Chantal. I am joined today by Sandy Seahard, who is the founder of Seahard, a charity which is focused on mental health and suicide in the South Asian and Punjabi community. Sandy is also a sunflower friend. Now, I just first of all need to check, Sandy, have I pronounced the name correctly? And if I haven't, could you please put me straight? Thank you for having me, Chantel. Um, so the organisation is called Seheb. It's it's easy to pronounce for me purely because I've I've founded it and put it together. So Seheb in Punjabi and Urdu, as well as many other dialects, is health. And I think one of the key things, as you mentioned, is we support mental health and suicide prevention within communities. So yes, it's it's correct in reading the name but just with a little bit of a pronunciation correction it's Serhat. Serhat. That's it yeah perfect. Thank you thank you Um. so tell us tell us a little bit about yourself please. Oh what would you like to know I mean there's so many different levels to me as as a person but also through my um charitable work for say um I initially started doing mental health community work with a platform called Sikh Forgiveness which predominantly supports the Sikh and Punjabi community doing mental health conversations and trying to normalize that conversation at community level over the years we've had such a great um intro to community accepting that conversation and trying to bring on um, that space in a safe space for communities that Serhat was established. Now Serhat is something we focus on on a nationwide level on the basis that there's so much more work that we want to do and we want to open the doors to everyone as we did with Sick Forgiveness. Um, I think a little bit about myself is more so the fact that I have a passion just generally helping people. Um, I work a full time job and I have a normal life. Well, normal, as they <laughs> say. <laughs> but I think if anything, I probably have the most joy in trying to give my support to others whether it's just being there for them or um, just even in my friend circles or people that I, I meet is knowing who that person is and and just learning more about them brings me so much joy. Um, I think that's, that's, that's my passion. I think that's what I've brought to my organisations is how can we allow people to be their authentic selves without having what society expects us to be, um, so yeah, I think that's that's me in a nutshell in, in a small way. So you're an empath. Oh, massively. An energetic empath, I should. I imagine. hope. So. <laughs> I don't know. Many would say probably a workaholic empath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what service does Seahud in provide? You know, and where do you operate? So we 
at the moment have mo mostly an online um service um and operate mostly on online um platforms essentially we are in the process of building a service point for Sahad. we are reachable online on platforms like instagram social media our services are based one-to-one -one because we understand that you can't really group everybody's experiences all together. Um, we are currently working on um, trying to build better services for suicide prevention. Um, and we raise awareness on how we can bring that education within communities. So our services are mainly built on education and awareness at the moment until we can have the bandwidth to provide one-to-one -one or support groups. We are looking to start working on virtual and face-to-face -face workshops where people can share their experiences with lived experience people as well as professionals. So our services at this moment in time quite varied. Yeah, so I mean it's a very heavy topic isn't it? Suicide. Um, yeah. But essential that we speak about it and that it's brought out into the open um I'm just wondering what was the push for you to make your charity focus on that topic and mental health in the round like what was the demand was you know was there a big demand for it or was it through your personal experience what was the the driver for I think for me was um, everybody struggles with mental health at some point, you know, whether it's um, something that they acknowledge is happening or or not. I think the drive for me when it came to suicide prevention was the levels of stories and people who were just struggling in silence and also behind closed doors. Um, I've been doing workshops and group work um, across the UK for nearly five years now and one of the key topics I always tend to bring up is suicide and I know we say it's a heavy topic but I think that's a level of conditioning potentially community has provided to it as well as mental health. What people don't realise is when you're talking about suicide is is acknowledging that it's happening or that there's 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 a thought in someone's head of thinking like that and how we can support them in finding a better thought process that isn't dri dri driving them to those those negative feelings and what really helps in those conditions is giving someone support and in community I noticed and experienced is People in the South Asian community don't have that because of the level of negativity that's attached to it. It's very much like mental health. There's already a stigma attached to it um, and a and an expectation of it's not something that you can talk about. Um, and I think since I've narrowed down the conversation of we want to support suicide prevention, there's been a lot of people who have come forward to me directly and our organisation who have wanted to seek help, especially understand from a South Asian perspective, what is the barrier that's um, preventing people from seeking help? We began the conversation many years ago and um, a lot of the stuff that we've done with um, sick forgiveness is bilingual resources and trying to understand how we can support people on all levels. 
And that was really when we understood that there was such a lack of resources for us as a community. Um, not only do we experience language barriers from seeking professional help, but there's also a language barrier because there's a lot of things in Punjabi and other languages that don't reflect things like mental health and suicide. So words one of the things don't exist within the yeah. Language. So words like words like depression and um and there's the the dialects as well are so different from each region. So for example, the the Punjabi I speak can be different to someone who also speaks Punjabi as well. But yes. our dialect or our uh, the words that we may use will be different. Yeah. Um. So the description could potentially be the same. But the word that we use, say, for example, sorry could mean something else or said differently in another language. Yeah. Same thing. Um, And I think that's the hard thing. So one of the things that we 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 focused on quite recently is what does suicide mean? Mm. All all different languages. Um, And even what I've noticed, what, what I've known suicide to be in uh, growing up um, from movies or books or films or you know any any form of context that has been linked to suicide is completely different to a friend of mine who also speaks Punjabi as well yeah and it's like oh, I've not really heard of that that phrase before in mm-hmm. what does that mean how did that come about and you're learning new things from different communities but I think as you mentioned the suicide's a heavy conversation but it's it's not a heavy conversation if because we just don't speak about it enough. Yeah. We, we're scared of approaching the conversations and we don't know how to approach the conversations. Yeah. And that's what's that's what makes it heavy. Um, because people are afraid of saying the wrong thing or not approaching the conversation in the right way because they don't want to upset the other person. Mm-hmm. But even in suicide prevention training. And, you know, a lot of mental health courses that are out there, they would often say um, that sometimes if someone is experiencing suicidal thoughts is to be very blunt and say, are you having suicidal thoughts? This is this is very interesting to me because um, even in Western culture, talking about suicide, mental health has only kind of coming to the fore in the last three years or so um if somebody dies and it's as a result of suicide very often that's not mentioned how they died which is difficult for everybody else to then process well what happened why have they died and i have a question and that is so in Western culture, particularly in the UK, I'm talking about, that's my my experience, is that we generally don't talk about death anyway. And death is a part of life. So I feel that this is something that we should be spoken about a lot more openly. It's something that we should be talking, spoken about in uh, PHSC lessons within school, so that we it's going to happen to us all at some point that we know how to, that we learn strategies of how to process grief, et cetera, and and how to talk about death. Within the cultures that you are supporting and your own culture, death, how is death 
treated and is it celebrated when somebody dies is there almost a celebration of that person's life or how is the approach to death such a very such a good um question and there's so many different levels to that question on the basis that within each culture there's a process of how death or grief is um acknowledged so as as every you know culture there's the um ceremonial side where families friends and everything will be involved um but then there's always just as in the western culture there's always the after period of of the death and the funeral and the families being involved or supporting and that's the period that everybody seems to experience the true grief grief process um it's funny because we we've been speaking about grief quite recently within my organization for quite some time um and one of the things that we noticed that when it came to speaking about grief and and death and losing someone is actually grief has so many different levels for a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what we don't talk about enough is the grief that person experiences for themselves. They're grieving potentially a past version of themselves or a future version that they'd hope to have had. Mm. Um, and this is at all age levels and you're right it does need to be addressed at a school level and I think that kind of links into mental health is how much more do we need to encourage mental health conversations at school and university levels but also ensure that there's representation for the individuals at those universities and schools because one of the things that we struggle with and have found is Yes, schools and universities are doing a lot of things, but they're not representing and therefore they're losing um, the support services and individual needs because culturally they don't understand. Yeah. And then that's a, that's an even bigger um, struggle for them because the person will shut down and they will not feel that they're supported or listened to or valid. I think one of the things that we we hope with with the grief work that we're doing is how do we support someone to acknowledge it that it's a journey? Yes. Um and whatever you're grieving, whether it's a person, whether it's a, you know, a past version of yourself or um an experience or a wish that you had or you know even a pet, something yeah. like that, you know, is we we want people to celebrate their lives and that's what we encourage as an organization is celebrate the person's life or mm. celebrate that life that you wished in, or that person and what would you do for them now because I think often we we get stuck on that page of we only think of them at a sad time mm-hmm. um most people I've known who have experienced loss have celebrated the person's life and have always gone out to do something for them or have pushed themselves to do to do things in their memory um and continue to do all the things that they would have loved to do with them or they would have loved to do but I think that's very far down the line before they've actually accepted the loss has happened yeah yeah Um, and that's only through speaking with 
relatable people people who who are representatives of who they are as well yeah um, and who understands their culture yes yeah it's um I know that in Jamaican culture for example when somebody dies everybody comes to the house and they it's the nine night celebration and people bring there's, there's food and you know that's a that's a really strong cultural thing which occurs um it's and it, it is different from culture to culture and it is understanding those differences and nuances and how best to to talk about it there's even different expressions to use you know like should you say I'm sorry for your loss or you know it's even that isn't yeah. it? it's and uh within sort of English culture it's just talking about you know using the word dead or death seems to be like an absolute no-no word so going back to like um you know mental health which is obviously where all that stems from in regards to suicide prevention um you've mentioned that there's different words for that in uh Punjabi and Urdu and the different communities with within those so has that been like taking a sledgehammer to crush a nut to kind of even commence those conversations I mean how did you journey into it how do you knock on somebody's door and say I want to discuss something with you that you're (laughs) probably going to say I have no idea what you're talking about and it doesn't affect me um to begin with it was really hard um I mean I started the mental health journey of like raising awareness about five years ago now um and that was very much at community level so it was very alien to people who was like what are you talking about um what is mental health and why would you want to even discuss such a topic um and for me, like I, I'm, I'm very much in an open culture where my parents have acknowledged what mental health is, and have experienced grief, and have experienced loss, and experienced hardship in their life. Um, for me, then to then experience all the things I've done in school and working life, um, and the stigmas I felt, even just as a South Asian woman, but just as a woman as well in the industry I work in it's there's there's a lot of links to things like stress and anxiety and depression that I've experienced in my own life as well yeah they well actually you know there's young women and men out there who are experiencing this and as a culture and as a as a faith we should provide that safe space um and it's starting at that community level and yeah it was considerably hard um, you know, as a as a young person to go into those places and, and ring people and saying, hi, I'd like to do um, a mental health talk. And they're like, hmm? yeah. And <laughs> is there and is there a difference between um, men accepting you to talk to them or is it mainly women who will accept that conversation from you as you are a woman? I think to begin with, when I started, yes. Um, I certainly thought there was that aspect of how people might have um, wanted to speak to me because I also look very, very young. Yeah. Um, And ultimately, there's that judgment of you're only like 22. What have you experienced in life to even understand what I'm going through? Um, But actually, even as a 22 year old, you can experience a hell of a lot 
we we respect people's confidentiality in space very much so in 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 the fact that communities haven't experienced that level of safe space mm-hmm. um and they've acknowledged that they can reach out and ask for help yeah and we will try and give them as much help as we can as a team but we're very open with them in the sense of this is what we can do and this is who we can provide services and support to for an individual however we cannot control you to do that yeah and we give them that level of control back and that's what people have respected and because people can see me and I've gone into community people know who they're talking to people know where um what aspects I'm coming from there isn't that level of fear of okay they're gonna judge me or they're gonna criticize what I'm experiencing um and we do tackle conversations that most community level organizations potentially don't yeah um so you know we've gone to like gurdwara spaces and and asked them to have conversations with with um incorporating like co-production groups with periods and you know um grief and suicide and mental health you know alcohol addiction and some of these conversations are conversations that have never been had before. You are listening to the Sunflower Conversations with Chantal. To share your story and find out more information, details are in the show notes. I have some sort of friends and their experience within their community is that it's always to the outside world, to the family, you know, the outside families, outside of the household that everything is going great um, and that there is a level of judgment from community um, so that you could never kind of, you know, present any weakness for fear of it being judged and being discussed within the community, even so far as, um, I don't know, somebody within the family is getting married. So the whole of that outside of the house has to be repainted um, because we wouldn't want anybody coming here to think that we weren't you know like on the top of our game so if that has been something that's inherently within your culture that you're so concerned about what other people are going to think and say about you opening up a conversation about mental health must be extremely um, challenging to overcome that fear that is this going to be discussed? So you've, you've mentioned how you create a safe space and that you have built up that trust. What, so somebody calling you and saying, actually, I, I think I need a bit of support. How do you go about that? You know, what, what would be the, what would be the, I don't know, like you said, you do different courses and what have you. So it's kind of like a step-by-step process, really. I mean, if someone was to reach out to us and say, you know, I need support, it's kind of understanding what kind of support they're looking for. Um, And ultimately giving them that that sound space to say, actually, this is what I'm struggling with. And that sound space is probably potentially the first sound space they've had with anyone. Um, And, you know, really honouring that level of saying, okay, where does what can we do to help? Where is this stemming from? Um, and working with them slowly in this in, in a step-by-step process to see what we can provide them. I think one of the key things also is, is understanding where they are from because we're very keen to work with local supports. I think that's been one of the difficult things that I've experienced as a, as a, as just as a person, but also as an organization is 
in key areas, say, for, for example, in the UK, it's very accessible to get mental health or representation potentially. Um, however, if you live in a smaller, um, very white-based area um, where you can't seek that help or that support um, and you're having to travel quite far, it can be quite difficult. So a lot of the supports we provide are come through online. Mm-hmm. We work through them on a process of how can we help you? Where are you based? What kind of supports are you looking for? Because not everybody wants to have therapy. Mm-hmm. And therapy, they may have had something like um, CBT via NHS Choices, which hasn't worked for them. They might be experiencing something where it is potentially grief related and they need specific grief um, therapy or uh, yeah. group. Um, and it's understanding where that stems from rather than just signposting them saying, oh, OK, try try this. And if they've ultimately have suggested, OK, I'm struggling with this, I'm looking for someone who is a male or a female, does speak Punjabi and is based in the Midlands, then we would say, OK, let's work together, see what we can find. Does this relate to you? Can you resonate to this person? And thankfully, most therapists out there and groups will provide like a 15 to 20 minute consultation when it comes to therapy. And it's working with them saying, is this something that you would consider? Often that does work. Sometimes it's the case of that doesn't feel right for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would provide them like a a list of people that they could potentially reach out to. Because one of the key things we found, you may probably know this as well, it's sometimes you don't always click with the right therapist. I think that's really crucial, isn't it? It's really crucial because... It takes a lot to open up um, and we're all human. So you're not going to, you're not going to get on. I went for some, I've had um, counselling twice in my life. And the first time I just thought the woman was amazing. She was great. And I, if I could afford it, I'd continue to do it to this day. (laughs) It was a long time ago and it was, it was, it was wonderful. And I don't know how she went about it, but it worked for me. And we started talking about things that I, you know, they were buried, things I hadn't considered or thought about. And it was perfect. And then I had another one, it was for a different subject. But I was just like, I mm. I feel so uncomfortable talking to you. Mm. Um, you we are on different planets of you know what I mean the solar system and I just don't feel comfortable and and so I didn't continue with it if therapy isn't the right thing what is it that is that it is that you're looking for you know um have you tried um holistic therapies because we have to acknowledge that when it comes to mental health there's there's not one shoe fits all you there's a multitude of things someone needs when they're struggling with their health Mm. they do need professional help whether it's medical or gp is is always your first point of contact is you know can communities help you can a grassroots help you is there a local support group that you can go to can reading help you can self-care or you Mm. know journal or speaking to friends and family or finding those people who understand what your experience be a place of solace and it's basically building up that box of yours that you need to kind of refer to if you need help and 
yeah your toolbox you know I always say it's either a toolbox or a self-care box yeah like your go-to box and it's one of the things I highly recommend to everybody is you know find things that bring you joy Mm -hmm. put them in that box so regardless of whatever it is if you're if you want to remember someone or you know things even things like our memories our bodies our minds hold and store um memories from everything smells um the textures you know this is why they use grounding a lot when it comes to like anxiety or any other um mental health struggles is because we hold those memories they trigger a, a memory in your brain okay so it, grounding let's go back here <laughs> grounding this term yeah. can you explain grounding so grounding is a technique which is used a lot for when you're struggling potentially with anxiety so it's kind of grounding yourself in that moment so it's what do you hear what do you smell what can you feel and um, what can you taste it's kind of realigning with your senses and focusing on those moments. So sometimes you would have like earth grounding, which is walking outside barefoot. So you can feel the the grass, so you can hear the birds, so you can refocus on your breath. These are the things are like grounding techniques, which will help when things like panic attacks, anxiety, um, when you're stressed or when you need to. A lot of the time people use this when they're meditating as well. Mm, yeah. Um so it's things like that, you know, finding a technique which helps you. Uh-huh. Um, and it doesn't work for everyone. And we appreciate it. it doesn't work for everyone. But there's so many techniques out there that help. You know, the breath work technique, counting, you know, four, breathing in five, all of these things. There's so many different techniques. And this is something that I mentioned earlier is not every technique, not every therapist is going to fit what you feel is comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's understanding with yourself first. I think it all starts with you. You know, one, accepting that you struggle with poor mental health. Then understanding what that is, whether it's anxiety or whether it's depression or whether it's too much stress in your life or if it's your health um, in general. If you're being, if you're experiencing like physical pains, then it's reaching out to someone. Even with physical pain, some people would rather not say anything because they don't want to come across as weak. Yeah. Um. Even things like period pains. You know, pe- women and girls, young girls can experience a whole nother spectrum of period pains, which can be debilitating. Well, until recently, um you know, we didn't speak about periods. Um, And if you wanted to, if you you had to go to the toilet, particularly in school, um, trying to let the teachers let you go to the toilet is a bit of a mission in the first place. You're not allowed to take your bag with you, are you? So you're kind of like trying to hide your sanitary product up the sleeve of your arm. And, and, you know, and it's as if, as if it's something really, really shameful, yeah. which it isn't. It's not shameful. Like, yeah. that's just part of our being as, as women. And you do experience low moods during that time. You do have um, a level of um, symptoms which not everybody understands and not everybody experiences. And that comes down to, you know, that it's mentally impacting, it's physically impacting you. Yeah. I mean it's debilitating it can be so debilitating and it's on such a regular basis as well isn't it absolutely like monthly as well it's not something you can say I'll just switch it off but yeah I'll come back to that in six months time but also is you know it's 
I think the sad thing is, is, is as much as women experience a lot of health changes, menopause, premenopausal experiences, mental, uh, mental health, you know, um, childbirth, postpartum, um, periods, such a young age, they don't have that potential saying, I can't do this today. They're expected to just carry on with it. And it's the same as with men, like they can't openly turn on and say, I'm having a poor mental health day, just leave me alone. Yeah, so there's two expectations there that we put on children. If you're a girl, you have these period pains and it's like well that's just part of life you know yeah get on with it yeah Which actually there are things that can be done medically to mm-hmm. support that journey um additional estrogen and things like that but it just it's just been instilled so if you if you're starting to have to put up with pain in your well women are getting their periods at a lot younger age now so with pre-teens even you have yeah. to put up with that from that young age everything that you as we've discussed it's physical and it's mental pain that just becomes like I just have to put up with it and I guess that's where it stems this the mental health and not talking about the pain that you experience and with boys we have this other ridiculous expectation that boys don't cry yes so up until a certain not even just boys don't cry is that boys can't show any emotion yeah and I often really feel sorry for boys because it's such a it's such a stark switch over as in when they're really tiny, they're super cute and they'll get cuddles from their mom and their dad and, you know, strangers. And then they just reach a certain height age and all yeah. of a sudden that is switched off. I mean, it's completely mm-hmm. switched off and it's toughen up. Come on. But also notice is people don't tell their children or, you know, um, their friends if they're males and stuff that they love them yes they just won't say they care about them or you know just like as as women you would easily say I'm so proud of you yeah you go get this girl but if it was a I don't think you know I I know I do it with my male friends and I'll be like I'm proud of you and I sit there and think they'll probably think I'm absolutely (laughs) (laughs) that to them um but even even with like my nephews and nieces and things like that now they know that I talk about mental health they're very much open to speaking openly with me and even I've noticed younger younger um individuals are very much open to saying you know I wish schools had this and I wish we had this support and um but I've noticed adult males who haven't had that mental health or emotional support um and what a difference it would potentially have made yeah it have had um a space to acknowledge grief or you know even as you know a lot of um south asian or sick boys have grown up with a lot of bullying because of the way they the what the way they look and their appearance mm-hmm. um and that's impacted a lot of people growing up um, yeah. into adulthood and you know it's trying to protect that generation and also give them that education of how you can support them what does support mean for them as an individual as a person of color as well mm-hmm. a person of faith someone who has a different appearance um and how can we do that on a level and i think that comes from all aspects i think one of our key things as an organization we've tried to do is we want to encourage that anyone can seek any support for mental health 
um, on a wider spectrum, whether it's at school, whether it's at university, whether it's in um, a workplace, but also in places of faith. You know, people regularly visit the uh, um, places of faith for every celebration of life. Mm. So even when they're struggling, you know, someone will pray or someone will go to get some solace or some peace um, or they will speak to close friends and family. And these play, uh, it can play a small factor in someone's life, but also a massive factor in someone's life. And it's understanding how you can do that. Um, and these are the things potentially, even in places of faith, men do not have the space to talk there or feel comfortable. Not even women, they just don't feel comfortable speaking in those spaces. Is that why you've um, sort of commissioned a joint survey um, with Seek Fit? forgiveness um on preventing suicide because you mentioned about Sikh boys looking different because of um as the head um yeah. dress that they wear yeah. right so there's like an obvious difference before anything else in a sense so is that why you've um done this and can you tell me a bit about it I think there was um lots of reason why we wanted to do it I mean we wanted to focus on suicide prevention as a whole um, and with Sick Forgiveness, we were able to, we have that level of community and trust within community, which has allowed us to do the, the survey and research that we're doing. And again, it was understanding what our community is missing. You know, what is the need? What is the requirements that people who are struggling uh, mentally are not receiving? We want to honour and support everyone who has experienced suicide ideation but also all the individuals who are who have struggled with the impact of suicide you are listening to the sunflower conversations remember to hit subscribe how did you discover the hidden disability sunflower and what do you think about it i think I think I discovered it mainly from work um, and I had a really big conversation with a colleague of mine um, and I think everywhere I therefore went I could see the sunflower um, lanyards or someone was talking about it and it was like someone was telling me and it was a friend of mine actually who when I mentioned the hidden disabilities I was like oh and I looked into it a little bit more on your website and it was co- covering conversations like PTSD and dyslexia and dyspraxia and, and you know, depression and anxiety. And I was like, why, why doesn't community know about this? Like, why do we not encourage people to get that additional support? Um, but also look at the resources that are available for them free of charge as well, is this is what we would want to do is we're trying to equip communities in understanding there's so much so many resources out there that they can get help with themselves yeah um and as soon as I began the conversations within my own my own network and community levels it was like oh I need I need to understand what hidden disabilities I need a lanyard to let people know that I'm I may I need space um and that they need to understand that just because I don't look as though I have a disability I I do have one um and giving people that understanding of what it means, not just mentally, but physically as well. Yeah. Um, I think this is why I wanted to work with them um, on a long-term basis. So for me, it's education. 
yeah and giving people that education on a safe ground of saying okay a hidden disability can look like this 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 but also as I think we talked about earlier is if someone has a physical disability and you can see it any other condition mental health or or you know struggles they're experiencing are ignored mm-hmm. um and I think it's a space of giving them actually they need to be acknowledged as well we yeah. can't just link everything to just because I can see it that's what it must be yeah yeah it's actually just because they you can't see it doesn't mean they can't struggle exactly and that's it's a it's a good way of describing it you know the, the struggle because for some reason the expectation is um so much higher you know you can I've heard I've heard I've heard it you know from people who have who are cancer survivors patients who have gone through this grueling treatment but then sometimes they can be left with other lifelong health impacts but the implication is like well you had cancer and now you're better so what's the issue and actually that person is really really um having to contend with some quite other serious um health impacts and they're not visible so yeah Uh, it's also things like as we mentioned earlier is there's an element of grief that they're experiencing because yes. they would have been a completely different person had they never experienced a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And then there's there's the fear of, I'm sure most people who have, have, have had cancer in the past of it potentially coming back mm. um, and what the risks are, mm-hmm. um, you know, and having to change the way they live and what they consume in food and changing their whole entire lifestyle to to address that and then there's the that's just the physical aspect of what they could be experiencing aftermath but it's the self-esteem it's the confidence it's Mm. you know it's also how sometimes people can treat them um to what they would have treated if they didn't have a diagnosis so it's like people would um potentially have that extra care or they would ask, "Oh, how are you all the time?" Yeah, um, and they it's it's they don't like to have potentially health conversations. Um, yeah. but wearing the lanyard means that you, you're you're still, you're you're able to communicate to people that yes, I'm still experiencing um, an, a disability or a, you know a condition illness that you can't see, and so I still require that. extra kindness and a bit of support what do you so you you know you're you've applied to become a sunflower friend which we're delighted about how do you plan to kind of be a sunflower friend well we're working on some really exciting stuff um already with the hidden disabilities um sunflower scheme and I think one of the key things for us is being a sunflower friend is incorporating it into communities um, bringing that education to communities and giving them the understanding of actually, even if it didn't apply to them, I think this is one of the key things we want to kind of change the mindset of is you can come to a mental health conversation or a workshop or you can come to a um, um, a workshop for disabilities or alcohol addiction or PTSD, but it doesn't have to be for you. 
you know, yeah. you can provide that support to someone else. So, for example, for me, like I'm, I'm interested in being a um, a sunflower friend because I know it can help so many people that I know, and my knowledge can be supporting all of those individuals that would have never had that knowledge before, and giving them that access, but also giving them that access on the basis from a a South, South Asian and Punjabi aspect of could this be for you can I help you in any way what do you need to understand but also helping friends and family and we mentioned this earlier in the on the basis that someone who could experience even high sensitivities to sounds mm-hmm. could really help someone by having a lanyard um, you know traveling to work or being in loud spaces these kind of things could really help someone um and we've had a lot of conversations at a community level of so many different health aspects that a sunflower lanyard and scheme could help them um ease the conversation as well um and making them available and and you know most most places are now so open because of the mental health conversations that they do want to help their community community they yes. do want to help people they do want to make their um, industries and their spaces safe spaces. Um, and I think that was one of the key things that we wanted to do is in the the, the Sikh faith, for, for example, is we have um, one of our key things is providing a seva, which is a selfless service to communities. Okay. And that's helping anyone, um, regardless of what background they're from or culture or faith, is helping others. Um, and that's embedded in in our faith and even just us as human beings. I think that was one of the key things that I've been able to really feel comfort in my faith and being able to help others that my teachings and my space of my faith has been able to give me that gift to help others yeah. um, and that knowledge. And I think that's what was really key for me is how can I help people who who potentially don't have the opportunity to talk about mental health or anything um, that they're struggling with so openly as potentially I have. Yeah. Um, and if I can provide them a safe space or some education or just a a listening ear or a helping hand in some way um, and be, be a friend um, on that aspect, then that's what I can hopefully do. Yes. Um, and when I saw the sunflower, um, lanyard I was like this can mean such a big thing for community levels um, yeah. and hopefully that's what I can do <laughs> and that is what you will do I have no doubt <laughs> so do you have any support for anyone who's listening who feels that they or someone they know needs some support do you have like a bite-sized bit of advice um bite-sized advice wow um I would say just if you know someone is struggling um, and you don't really know how to approach the conversation is just be a support for them. Let them know that you're there for them and always check in on, on them on a on an ad hoc basis or a friendly level. Um, don't ever make them feel as though you're being too overprotective because I think that's something that we can often do. Um and allow them to open up to you in their time um, because giving someone that control um, over their own emotions, which sometimes people don't have, can be a massive turning point if they open up to you as a friend um, or any person that they care about. 
um, and then work with them on how you can get that support. Um, yeah. But I think just 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 be there for them, and and provide them whatever you can in the space that you can. If you really are struggling as a friend to give them support, is look for other supports, grassroots communities, organisations. Um, and speak with them and see if you can um, obtain some resources and some support um, accesses through that and and then take it from there. I think that would be my advice if you're trying to support someone else. If you're trying to support yourself is do the same for yourself. Listen to what your body and your mind and your environment is telling you and take a step back and seek help. Um, there's always someone that is willing to help you um, and reach out and the right person who is there to support you will. And how can people find you in your charity? So you can find Sehed on um at Sehed um on Twitter now X, should I say? Yeah. Um, I don't Instagram. know what you call it. Everyone says <laughs> I've noticed that people go Twitter now X. Yeah. you're so used to saying twitter but then you realize it's called x i don't know how that's changed that change that name change i don't know i'm not quite sure how like how long that's gonna take for the (laughs) but yeah you can find sehid on instagram and on twitter soon to be linkedin and other platforms um our website is www.sehid.co.uk um, and if you need to email us or require any support, you can email us at info at sehat, that's S-E-H-H-A-T dot co dot UK. Perfect. And we will include all of these links in the show notes so that people can easily find you and, and seek out support. So, Sandy, thanks so much for your time today. It's been very interesting talking about the difference in uh, you know, culture, cultural differences, um, and also, you know, touching on mental health and preventing suicide. It's something that, you know, everybody of all faiths really needs to get to grips with and take any kind of training that's available. So I would suggest that, um, you know, anybody or everybody, you know, gets, reach out, reaches out to uh, Sir Hez and um, gets the support and information that you've made available so thank you very much thank you so much Shanta and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk today if you are interested in any of the advice discussed in this podcast please follow up with your GP or healthcare practitioner if you have enjoyed this podcast please subscribe like and share to help raise awareness of non-visible disabilities and the hidden disability sunflower like to share your sunflower story or conversation please email conversations at hiddendisabilitystore.com find out more about us or listen to this recording again by checking out our insights page at hiddendisabilitystore.com you can also find us on facebook instagram twitter youtube and linkedin please help have patience and show kindness to others, and join us again soon. Making the invisible visible with the hidden disability sunflower.